and it is certainly good to be here on a actually very mild evening. It's not cold, but it's not hot either. It's kind of just, you know, but it's getting colder because, you know, the sun goes down. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, I guess it's not to beat around the bush. It is it is getting a little cool out there. And uh, but it's nice to be in a nice warm building to congregate and Amen. sing and praise the Lord and and uh, be able to just hear from him tonight. Amen. Uh, before I begin, I'm going to go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing upon his on the message tonight. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Lord, we do thank you um, that you have died on the cross for our sins. Lord, we thank you that you are so amazing and and just so loving and so long-suffering towards us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just bless this message tonight. I pray that you'd give me the words to speak. I pray that you just fill me with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us of our sins and anything we've done against you. Cleanse us, wash us, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we do thank you for this night. We pray that you bless this night and have your way, Lord. And we lift these things to you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so my message is a New Year's message, because, uh, I mean, we're a little past New Year's, but it is a new year, a uh, new year and uh, kind of a new beginning, a fresh start, as you will. Um, and so the title of my message tonight is entitled, um, A New Beginning and the Number Eight. And um, I'm not going to get too much into numbers, uh, not the book numbers, but just numbers in general. Uh, I am going to briefly touch on eight and its significance as to why that is meaningful as per a new beginning. Um, Briefly touch on that, but it's mainly going to be uh, a message of new beginnings. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Again, that was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And uh, I'm very thankful for all that God has done in my life and thankful for my salvation. And I know you all, you all, all, you all are thankful as well for your salvation. <clears throat> so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Think about that. All things become new. It doesn't say some things. It does not say half the things. It does not say three quarters of things. It says all things become new. But we see here in this passage, in our our text tonight, that it says that if any man be in Christ. So to to have all things new, you need to be in Christ. And it's very interesting wording that he that, that the Apostle Paul would use as be in Christ. When you take a look at Noah's Ark, and we'll be getting in a little bit into that particular uh, account uh, in a little bit. But when we take a look at that, we see that the ark itself is a type and picture of Christ. Why? Because you had Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, 
They were all where? They were all in the ark. And that ark brought them to salvation, to, to a new beginning, to a new era, like to basically to like a new world in a way. Because during that time, things got so wicked that God had to destroy everything. But he spared Noah and his family. So we see in that account that, that the ark represents Christ. And so if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He is a new creature. In other words, that when you become born again, the Holy Ghost, by the power of the Holy Ghost, renews you, regenerates you into a new man and births a new man within you. And that new man is from God. The Bible does say that if any man be born of God, he does does not sin. That's talking about your new man. That's talking about the, the new inner man. That's not talking about this. Because eventually this flesh is going to be gone. Amen? It's going to be gone. We're all going to get new bodies. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting, I sometimes get to a point in my life I just want to go home. I don't like this raggedy old flesh anymore. I just I hate it. I want to go home to my new body. But that day is coming. That day is coming. Now, we see a picture of this, of, of, of a new birth in Christ. We see uh, salvation. We see a picture of this in the Old Testament. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it says, And he shewed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. Think about that. Joshua was clothed in filthy garments. What what did what what did God say? What did God say about your righteous what, what your righteousness was? As filthy, As filthy rags. And that is pertaining to your flesh, to your old man. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. So you see that Joshua had filthy rags but the angel said to take those away and pretty much put new clothing on him see when you are clothed it is a when, when clothing is a picture of salvation because if you think about an adam and uh, in, in the garden of when and with adam and eve in the garden when they fell in sin they knew they were naked and what do they do they tried to sew fig leaves together to cover themselves didn't work Matter of fact, we see that God took coats of skin, He took skins of animals and made coats of them and clothed them. So when we become born again, God clothes us. He clothes us with Christ's righteousness. But it's nothing that we deserve because it is unmerited favor. He does it because He loves us. Amen. <clears throat> now. 
we see all sorts of numerical patterns that God uses in his word, which is why I brought up the number eight. Number eight um, typically is usually seen as a, a new beginning, a new birth. Um, it's a pattern that you see in the Bible, and uh, we're actually going to be getting into those. Um, I mentioned about uh, Noah and the flood. We see that um, this has that new be- has that number eight associated with it because we see that it was Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives, which would be eight people that were saved um, in the ark. Um, in Genesis chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, it says, And behold, I even, I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the, the breath of life from under. Oh, my page got cut off, I think. <laughs> um, under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will... Establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. So we got eight people mentioned. In Genesis uh, 7.13, it says, In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. So again, we start again. We see there was eight people, and for some reason, God put that in there for a reason. He didn't just put it in there just because. Any time that God puts something in His Word, it has a meaning behind it. And the meaning behind eight in this instance, with with Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives, you know. This goes into play that they were to rebirth the earth. They were to repopulate the earth anew. Why? Because everything that was before the everything before the flood was wiped out except for Noah and his family. So really, the only people that were on the earth at that time were the animals and Noah's family. So they had to repopulate the earth anew, right? So we see that there is that pattern. Um. Genesis chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. It says, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy son, sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. So again, that's kind of one of the areas that we see that particular numeric that particular particular numerical pattern that God uses. We also see this with David, and um, we see this with Jesse, which is the, Jesse's the father of David, and David is. David becomes what? He becomes the second king of Israel. As you know, we we probably know that when we take a look at Saul, Saul had a good start, didn't he? But when you read on through what really was going on with Saul, 
He went from having a good start to, I'm done with you, Saul. I will no longer speak to you. As a matter of fact, God said, I'm done with you, Saul. It repenteth me forever making you king. And what does he, and what does God do? He tells Samuel, he he goes to Samuel and says, I found another king, a man after mine own heart. That was David. David in the Bible is a type and picture of Christ. And David was a shepherd boy. He kept the sheep. He was a young, he was the younger child. But he was but it just so happens that Jesse had eight sons. The eighth son is David. And David goes on to being king and God establishes his covenant with David. And it's actually through David that Christ would come through. That's amazing, isn't it? A new a new beginning for Israel, a new king for Israel, you know, a new um, time with Israel, a better king, a king that was God-fearing. You see, David was not perfect. We know that. He was an adulterer, a murderer. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He killed Uriah to cover it up. But you know, God forgave him of his sin. He put that sin away. See, David, under the law, was supposed to be killed and stoned. But God had mercy on him. And he was king when that happened. And he was a man after God's own heart. Do you know why he was a man after God's own heart? Because when he realized that he sinned, he repented immediately. He repented immediately. That's, I think, something that we should all take away from that, too, from his life. David was a good example of how we all should live. When we sin and fall short, we got to immediately repent. Immediately acknowledge that, yes, we have sinned against a holy God. It's like I was talking about this morning in Sunday school, is having that self-accountability. David had that. David had self-accountability. He 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 knew he he knew that what he did was wrong. Amen. He owned up to it and he asked God for forgiveness and God forgave him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 verses 10 through 13 it says and again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Now this at this time um, God had rejected Saul and God told Samuel he said I want you to go and go to the house of Jesse and I will show thee who I'll make who who you shall anoint to be king. And this is the this is that part where you know um, Samuel is going through each of the sons to see which one it is. Okay, so and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. I do not like how I staple my stuff. <laughs> um, forgive me. 
Um, he was ruddy with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly look to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And so we see that David was the eighth son of Jesse and became the second king of Israel. And David is a type and picture of Christ. Why? Because anyone in Christ, anyone who is in Christ is what? A new creature. And as we see that when you become Christ, you have a new birth. That's why we have to be what? Born again. If you are born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. The second birth is is a necessity. <clears throat> so with Christ, there always is that new beginning. Um, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with him, and be their God. And God shall wipe all away all tears from their eyes. Now how about that? I can't wait for that day. That day when we all go home and God will wipe every tear away. That's a good beginning. That's a that's a that is a really good new beginning that we'll get. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. I'm glad for that. Because even some of the little tiniest pains, just, I don't like them. (laughs) I don't like pain very much. I don't. I don't want to be home. And we all want to be home. But that day is coming. Shall there be any more pain? For the former things are passed away. The former things are passed away. You know, when Jesus makes all things new, when you come to Christ, when Jesus makes all things new in your life, all the former things are passed away. Consider Saul, who then became Paul. Saul persecuted the church, had Christians killed. And you know what? God got a hold of him. He got saved. At first, people feared him. But when you look in Paul's writings, he says, I pressed towards the mark of a high calling in Christ Jesus, forgetting those things which are past. I pressed towards the mark. That's something we should all do. As we enter in, as we have entered in this new year, whether or you know whether the good or the bad or the ugly of last year, that was last year. This is a new year. This is a new year to look forward to what God has in store. Amen. Even as Christians, we all have 
new starts to things. We have all new chapters to things. You take you know my life for an example. Last year, God brought me here in July. I became a part of, of the family here. Towards last, you know, towards the beginning of December, God brought me to a new job. And now God is going to bring me down here to be closer to church. See, a new beginning, a new start to things. When Christ makes things new, he does make things new. And that's something we can always stand on. And that assurance of those promises. And he sat, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write for these words that are true and faithful. You know, we go through cycles as Christians. We're always going to have new things that come up. Always, whether good or bad. Change can be a good thing. But not all change. There are good changes, but there are also not so good changes. The changes that the world is undergoing is not a good change. But as we push forward through what's coming and what's coming down the pipeline, we got to remember that there's a change for us too as God's people. But that change that we that we look forward to is a lot different than, than the change that the world is about to go through. And that's something that we could take to heart. Amen. That is something we could take to heart. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now there's something that the Holy Ghost showed me that I'm about to show you that I think is going to just make you go, wow. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, and this is part of that change that we get to, that we as born again believers get to look forward to. Revelation 2, 17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and here's the key part. And we'll give him a white stone. And in the stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. When you look into the word of God, we see that there, there are name changes. For an example, you've got Abram, who God then changed to Abraham. You have Jacob who God then changed to Israel. Those name changes are typically signified by salvation. And what this is what the Lord showed me. When you think of marriage between a man and a woman, and that's only what marriage is, amen? Marriage ain't between two men or two women. That's an abomination. Marriage is between one man and one woman, and that's it. God said it, that, that settles it. But when you see in marriage between the man and the woman, you notice something very interesting. It's, 
there's a name change that occurs. And who is it that gets the name change? The lady does. Yes. The bride gets the name change. You see, Christ is the bridegroom and we, the church, are the bride. So guess what? When we go home, we get a name change. That's cool, isn't it? And it says that it will be given unto us on a white stone. Think about what a, what a bride wears on her wedding day. A white dress. We will receive a white stone with a new name. And only we would know. You know, I never really thought that verse to being a marriage verse. I never really thought of it till it hit me. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, because it really does, because it really does actually show that there is a marital significance in that. But you know, but when you take a look at marriage in its entirety, we know that it's a picture of the relationship that Christ has with the church. Because Christ is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. Amen. We have a bridegroom coming. So when we go home, we're going to have a new name. We won't, ha- we won't just have a new body, but we'll have a new name. That's going to be a good day. There's also another new that's going to be taking place in the much future. We see that there's going to be new heavens and a new earth. New heavens and a new earth. In Revelation 21, 1 through 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Remember what Jesus said? I make all things new. So there's eventually going to be a new heaven. There's going to be eventually be a new earth. Why? Because God said it in his word. The first earth, the first heaven were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from, from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. That's something we can look, that's something that we can definitely look forward to. Now, I know New Year's is past, but when you think of New Year's, you know, we think of, you know, what's on TV, we think of the ball dropping, you know. And I always like to make a joke, you know, how, you know, the expression like when someone drops the ball, not a very pretty thing to say because <laughs> it's a mess, right? You know, not all ball droppings are terrible because there's a ball that drops. Sorry, that was a really bad joke. Uh, you don't have to laugh at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it, <laughs> it's just funny, isn't it? Now. Um, but no, on New Year's Eve, though, uh, but seriously, like on New Year's Eve, we see on TV that, you know, it's particularly in where New York City, they have that big old ball that drops for New Year's. But what else do they do? They 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 look back 
at all the things that have happened. They they look back at all the like the people that passed away and they, they look back at that stuff and remember it. And then they look forward to the new future. Now, just a question. How many of you know where January gets his name from? Do y'all know? No? Well, you'll, you'll know now. <laughs> um, so January, actually, uh, it's January is named after a Roman Greek god, little g, by the name of Janus. J-A-N-U-S. Um, Janus is a god that has two faces. One looking in the past, one looking in the future. Kind of odd. You know what I'm saying? A god with two faces. It's just weird. Um, praise God that we only worship one god with one face and two eyes. Amen? <laughs> and a nose and a mouth. Um, <clears throat> but Janus has two heads. One looking in the past, one looking in the future. It's very, you know, it's, it's really interesting whether people realize it or not. You know, that's what they're doing on New Year's Eve. They're looking back and then looking forward. But what does the Bible say about that? Well, in James chapter 1, verse 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man. you got a false god with two faces, one looking that way and one looking that way. It's unstable. I mean, take a, take a look at the beast in Revelation. It has seven heads. Don't know how that kingdom could stand. <laughs> I don't know why anyone want to be ruled by a beast like that, right? Seven heads, woo, just bickering back and forth, and ooh, that's chaotic. Um, but you know, the, the the coming new world order is going to be unstable. Why? Because you've got a beast with seven heads ruling over it. You know, it's an unstable kingdom. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, New Year should be a time to look forward, not look back. You know, it's like um, running in a race. If you're looking back and you're trying to run forward, you're gonna slam into something or someone. I'll give. I, I, I'm not really one to tell stories, but you know, sometimes I do. Uh, but there is actually something in my life that have happened. Um, there's one summer, not summer, sorry wrong season there was one winter uh that i was in elementary school and i remember it was just it was very cold a lot of snow and my glasses were really foggy i could hardly see through them well that day i was actually going to go and uh, see my mother and uh later that day uh but during that during the school hours i was running with foggy glasses and not knowing where I was going, smacked into a pole. It hurt. I chipped a tooth. That was not fun. The reason why I bring that up is like this. Because any time that you look back and you try running, it's like running with foggy glasses. You don't know where you're going. You're going to collide into someone. You're going to get into someone's lane. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff is could happen that you don't want it to happen, right? So we have to, we need to keep 
focused on going forward. Whatever has happened, whether good or bad, we have to leave it in the past. You know, sure, we've had the good old days and stuff, but, you know, we've got better days coming. We've got the coming of the bridegroom coming. We got heaven to look forward to. Amen. We don't need to look back. Because I'm going to tell you something. You came in this world with nothing, you'll leave this world with nothing. Except for the memories that you probably had. But that's it. You won't, there's nothing you're carrying with you. So why not look forward? Not looking back. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. It says, brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And pressing forth onto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 to 27 it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway you know we have to set aside all weights and sins that beset us and we need to strive but that can only be done by what the grace of God Everything we do, everything we say, where we go, how we do things, is none of our own accord. But it's Christ through you that's doing that. Because only Christ and only through him can we do anything. I can do, through, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Without Christ, we can do, we are, without Christ, we are sinners on our way to a devil's hell. It's Christ that does the work through us. And Genesis chapter 19, verses 14 through 26, I want you to consider Lot's wife. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Get you up out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, when the angels hastened, Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, he, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all 
the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which which thou hast shewed unto me. I apologize. And saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is not a little one. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city for the which thou hast spoken. Hasty, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was, the sun was risen upon the earth, and when Lot entered into Zoar, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But here's the key part. But his wife, what? Looked back from behind him. And she became what? A pillar of salt. You know, I don't think Lot's wife didn't want to leave. That's why she looked back. You know, Jesus said, those who put their hand to the plow and look back is unfit for the kingdom of God. That's not what I said. That's what Jesus said. Jesus wants you to look forward, pressing forward, not backward. You know, the term backsliding implies that you went back. Jesus doesn't want you to backslide. He doesn't want you to go back. He wants you to go forward. To him. Amen. That is Jesus Christ is where we need to be focusing on. Everything else doesn't matter but Christ. Sometimes we struggle with that. I struggle with that. I'll be real. I, I'm not I mean I'm not perfect. I've have my faults. I have my shortcomings. But this I know that Christ He still loves me regardless. And if he loves me regardless, he loves you. Now, that's not to say that you should go off and sin. No. God forbid. Grace is to help empower you to live a holy life, not a sinful life. Amen? Now, Psalm 19, 4-5. Their line has gone out through all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the son, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth. A strong man to run a race. Or, I don't think that's, maybe that is part of it. I'm sorry. My pages are really wacky, so I do apologize uh, for that. Um, got. Okay, one more page at least. All right, so 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Know ye not that thou which run a race run all, 
Oh, no, we already read that one. I'm sorry. Sometimes I have duplicate verses. I don't know why. but <laughs> So we've already read that one. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Isaiah 42.9 Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Isaiah 43.19 Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall we not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, sometimes we get into a dry spell in our Christian walk. We kind of wonder how things are going to work out. We're going to, we kind of wonder how God's going to work it, work out, work everything out. We, we, we want, we, we wonder that, right? That's natural. Because His ways and thinking are a lot higher than we, than our ways and thinking. But God promises that even through a wilderness, he'll make a way. Even in the most dry spell of your lives, he'll still make a way. Amen? Amen. Christ offers hope to the hopeless. And what may seem impossible is possible with God. All things are possible to God to those who believe. You know, it, it seemed impossible for a Pharisee to get saved. And yet there was a Pharisee named Saul who got saved. If you've got family members that you wonder, how are they going to get saved? God may have a way to save them. You just keep praying for them. Keep you keep praying. You know why? Because God answers prayer. Amen. And in this church, I think we've seen a lot of evidence that he does. A lot of evidence. God answers prayer. And no matter what you may be going through and no matter what you may be facing, God will always provide a way. Amen? He will always provide a way. Two more verses and we'll close. Isaiah 43, 19 Oh, no, I already said. No, actually, one more verse. I apologize. Only one more verse. Isn't that better? <laughs> Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. I'm going to turn there because some of my verses got cut. Some of my that verse got cut off. Uh, if you want to turn there too, <clears throat> you can go ahead and do so if you want to. It's up to you. Uh, now, Lamentations if you know, is the Lamentations of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the Weeping Prophet. Um, but it's Lamentations chapter 3, and 22 to 23, and it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
you know, we as a nation are guilty with a lot of sin. We're guilty of fornication. We're guilty of murder. We're guilty of lies. We're guilty about every sin in the book. Yet we deserve to be wiped off from the face of the earth, but we're not. Because God's still long-suffering. God's merciful. Amen. Every new year, let me, let me put it this way, every new second, every new minute, every new hour, every, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, is new. And God is merciful. And every new day when you wake up, when you know you look back the previous day and you, you, you know that you blew it, just know that today's a new day. His mercies are new. You know, God's anger may only endure for an evening, but joy cometh in the morning. Amen. God is a holy and just and righteous God. He will chasten his sons and his daughters because that it's needful. Amen. If, if, if God didn't love us, he wouldn't chasten you. But God loves us so much he would chasten us. Why? So that we wouldn't do that again. Amen. No matter what you're going through, no matter what circumstance you might be facing, there's always, as they'd say, as light at the end of the tunnel. God always has a way out. And no matter what, Christ is always walking with you, even through the deepest trials that you may be facing. It may not seem like it now, but later you look back and you say, yeah, the Lord was with me. Amen. Let's go ahead and let's close.